What's up, athletes? Zach Wagner here with another episode of the Resilient Athlete Project. On this episode, we are talking about concussion misconceptions. So there are a lot of these, but I just picked three that I thought were most important because they talk about how concussions happen, how they should be treated, and how you should return to sports, work, school afterwards. So for all you athletes out there, this is obviously a a very practical episode. Now, a quick note that I talked about a little bit in the episode itself, I have treated concussions for a long time. It's something that I really enjoy doing. It's something that um, I find very interesting. And I am going to start focusing on it much more in my practice and in the content that I put out. Because frankly, in the area right around Lakeville, where I'm seeing my patients, I'm not seeing very good options for athletes to get treated here, right? Sometimes that's due to the actual, the model of the clinic that they're working out. Sometimes it's due to lack of expertise. Usually it's a combination of both. So no judgment on anybody, but I think I can provide a better option for athletes. And it's very important to me that this area meaning concussions, head injuries, that kind of stuff, especially in youth athletes, is treated with the respect it needs, and these athletes get the help that they need. So this is going to be the first of many episodes and pieces of content and things to talk about this. So please let me know if you have questions. Please reach out via social media or you know email, sign up for the newsletter, any of that kind of stuff, because I want to make sure that it is clear when these should be treated, how they should be treated, and give people options for them to get treated when they need it. All right. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back to the Resilient Athlete Project. I'm your host, Zach Wagner. Today, we're going to talk about some concussion misconceptions. Now, a quick note before we get started, I have always treated concussions and vestibular issues from when right when I graduated PT school. But you're going to see a lot more focused content in this area in the near future and moving forward because I am seeing a lack of awareness in the community. I'm seeing a lack of understanding that concussions need to be treated, how they can be treated. And I'm seeing a lot too many people, especially youth athletes, dealing with concussions and not knowing where to go, not knowing who to talk to, who can help them. And this is obviously a really serious thing. We want to make sure that if you do have a concussion, you know how to manage it and that it's not becoming an issue when it doesn't need to be. Okay. So if you are dealing with any concussion symptoms, if you know who, of anybody who's having concussions, especially long-term issues from concussions, that kind of thing, please reach out. I would love to help answer any questions you have, even if you're not in the immediate area in terms of Massachusetts, I can probably get you somewhere where they can help you. This is not something to be taken lightly. And um, let's make sure that you are taken care of. Okay. So as I said today, I want to talk about concussion misconceptions. There are a lot of them out there, but I want to focus on three specific ones today because these are ones that will affect, you know, a youth athlete's understanding or a person's understanding of what's happening to them, how it needs to be taken care of and all that kind of stuff. And these are things that are are really going to help you understand how to do better when you do have a concussion. All right. So The first one I want to cover is there's this idea out there that the only way you can get a concussion is if you get hit in the head. Okay. Now 
a concussion is due to high force going through the head and neck. Okay. And a hit to the head is a common way for that to happen, but it isn't necessary. You can still get just as much force or more force through your head and neck. If you don't hit your head on anything, if nothing hits you in the head, you get kind of this whiplash kind of effect. Um, I've even seen people who just, they just get hit, they get hit in the body or something like that. And because of the way their head and their neck move, they end up with a concussion. Okay. In order to help you understand this, I want to go through the old versus the newer theory around what is happening when someone does have a concussion. All right. So the old theory was called coup contra coup, which basically just means that the, the, the theory was that a hit to the head, especially was causing the brain to hit the inside of the skull and then rebound and hit the other side as well. So it was this like back and forth kind of movement and actual like, like hitting on the inside of the skull so this led to this idea of like a brain bruise and all this kind of stuff. More recent research is showing that that probably isn't what's happening. That really what we're dealing with is a stretching and a shearing of what's called the white matter in your brain. So there's two kinds of matter in your brain. You have gray matter, which is more on the surface of the brain, which is like cell bodies, okay? Cell bodies. And then the white matter is what are called the axons, which are the parts of the cell that messages are sent down and those are those are covered in a layer called myelination which is this very whitish substance that helps to speed up the transmission of these signals so the gray matter is on the outside the white matter is on the inside and there's different densities to those two types of matter so what ends up happening when you have this acceleration deceleration to the brain there's a shearing and a stretching of those because of the different densities all right so that is causing damage to the okay that's also why concussion symptoms are so different from person to person because it can literally affect any of the areas of your brain because it's more about that stretching shearing as it is a, a certain part of your brain getting hit or having like trauma to it. Okay. So what this hap- what happens with that is there's a, a symptoms are due to changes in electrical and metabolic activity in the brain. So basically the electrical signals and the way your brain is using energy basically kind of goes haywire in the short term. And that's why you get these early symptoms of like disorientation, dizziness, loss of consciousness, all that kind of stuff. Um, while we're on that subject also, by the way, you can still have a concussion if you didn't lose consciousness. That's another thing that I wanted to work into this. That's similar in terms of a, you know, a myth, a misconception around that kind of stuff. Okay. So that's the first one. Just because you didn't get hit in the head does not mean you didn't have a concussion. I see it used as an excuse, basically, where uh, an athlete is put back out onto the field or a game or something after an injury because they're like, oh, they didn't get hit in the head. They must be fine. It's not that simple. All right. So just make sure. I want to make sure you understand that. Okay. The second thing I want to talk about today is that there's this idea out there that you should rest completely after a concussion. This whole thought process of like resting in a dark room with, you know, no light, no sound, no stimulation of any kind whatsoever. We actually know that complete rest after a concussion has been shown to delay recovery timelines. All right. So if you can avoid it and almost always you can, because a, a more of a sports concussion, this kind of stuff, you know, if you're, if you're being dealt with on an outpatient basis, basically it's your concussion is likely not severe enough that you can't do something. So try not to rest completely for a prolonged period of time. All right. With that being said, you can overexert yourself after concussion, and that can also lead to delayed recovery. So 
we're learning more and more about how to prescribe activity and exercise early on after a concussion, but that's why it's so important to get assessed by somebody who knows what they're doing because people who aren't, who don't know what to look for, who aren't trained in this, what they'll do is they'll be ultra, ultra conservative all the time, which can be, it's completely understandable. It can be kind of a scary thing to manage if you're new to this or a young clinician, or if you're not specifically trained in it, because you know, concussions, head injuries can kind of be scary, but it's the same concept as working with any other type of orthopedic injury in that you want to find where your limits are and then push the limits appropriately, right? The same thing applies when you have concussion symptoms. In this case, specifically activity limitations or you know, activity or exercise tolerance limitations after a concussion, okay? So we have specific protocols that are used to test early on where you are relative to your baseline and then understand how to prescribe exercise based on that so that it's enough to keep you moving but not too much to put you over the edge and that is what speeds up recovery we know that if we can do that well it's going to mean you're going to be back to what you want to do faster you're not going to end up with this prolonged delayed recovery delayed symptoms because if you just completely lock yourself in a dark room you might feel better, but as soon as you step out of that room and are in light, sound, active, open environments, it's going to be really hard. Your brain's going to get just bombarded with information. You want to continue to do what you can while you're recovering from a concussion. And really that applies to almost any injury. There's very few times when I want somebody to just like absolutely completely rest. Okay. So you do not need to rest completely after a concussion. If somebody tells you just go rest in a dark room for whatever, a couple days, week, just go somewhere else. That person probably hasn't kept up on any research and concussions in the last like decade. All right, good. So moving on, the third thing, and this is kind of the last thing I want to talk about and cover today, because I want to keep this, you know, relatively short, because I can go on on this for a very long time, is there's this idea that when concussion symptoms are gone, you're back to baseline and you're ready to go back to your sport, okay? This is not true, obviously. So symptoms for most people, for, for a lot of people are gone very quickly within a, you know, three or four days. Most people are gone within seven to, ten, seven to 10 days and nearly all people, their symptoms are gone by about two weeks or 14 days, okay? But symptoms alone are a poor indicator of recovery, meaning what we're seeing, what, what people feel in terms of, you know, the symptoms can be very, different from person to person, but nausea, dizziness, difficulty, concentrating, light sensitivity, sound sensitivity, you know, difference in, co in coordination, all this kind of stuff, right? It's obviously great that that stuff goes away for most people pretty quickly, but it, it's not an indicator that you're completely recovered. We want to look for what we call a metabolic recovery. So we talked about in the mechanism of injury of a concussion, basically there's this complex cascade of things that happens, but essentially what happens is the energy demand of your brain goes way up when you're healing from a concussion. And because of some of the specific things that happen to the neurons during a concussion, the availability of energy is actually a lot lower also, especially early on. So you have this imbalance called an energy crisis where you need more energy to heal and less is available. All right. So that causes the early symptoms, but then once the early symptoms kind of subside, People feel pretty good a lot of times, but that metabolic recovery hasn't really happened. Now, 
we think from research that metabolic recovery takes about 30 days. All right. And the reason I say that is because it's very important to avoid a second concussion during this time frame. That's what leads to what's called second impact syndrome, which this energy crisis we talked about, this mismatch in what your brain needs and what it's getting, it, that's bad enough after one. If that happens, if you get another concussion in short time frame, that gets even worse. And that can actually lead to permanent damage and issues like that. Now, I want to be very clear is that the last thing I want to do is be a fear monger and make people worried when they don't need to be worried. But with that said, when I am serious about stuff like this, it's because I really think it's important. So this is one where if you have a concussion or even if you think you have a concussion, especially if you're a youth athlete, please, please get assessed, get treated. Don't go back into a game, a practice or something like that because the small, even the relatively small risk of another concussion in that time frame is it's not worth it. Especially if you're a younger athlete, there's a lot of years ahead of you. you need to take care of this stuff because if you take care of it correctly, it doesn't have to be anything that's affecting you long term. All right. So just that's, you know, that's a big one for me. So um, as you can probably tell that I care about that. So again, Symptoms will go away usually under with less than a week, maybe up to two weeks at the most if they're a little bit more prolonged. But it's another couple of weeks plus after that before we really see the recovery that we want from a metabolic standpoint. Okay, so just you got to put the risk reward in context and understand it's probably not worth it. All right. Um, you're not a professional athlete. You're not somebody who's getting paid millions and millions of dollars. Even if you are, you could argue it's not worth it. But that's very much not the case for youth athletes and pretty much everybody that we work with. Okay. So again, this speaks to why it's so important to get assessed by somebody who knows what they're doing, knows what to look for, because we have lots of standardized and functional tests that we'll do to understand a baseline. And ideally we have baseline on some of these tests before you even have a concussion. So we can compare to them. That happens in some schools and leagues and things better than others, but the, the case, you know, the point still needs to be made. So we're looking for, we have all these tests that we do, we compare to your baseline, and then we understand in all these different areas when you're actually back to your baseline and what areas we still need to work on. So treatments will include, like what we talked about earlier, like a graded exercise protocol. There's visual training, there's vestibular training, there's treatment of the neck and the shoulders, there's coordination and balance work, there's sports-specific training, there's specific protocols for return to sport, return to school, return to work. So you can see there are a lot of things that go into treating a concussion, which is again, why I'm going to beat this drum. It's so important for you to work with somebody who knows what they're doing. Okay. We have very specific protocols here that are set up based on research, based on experience, based off of, you know, consultation with other people, with neurologists, et cetera, that kind of stuff. So we understand we can look at all these domains, know where you're having issues, and then help you specifically address them. A lot of times I feel like people don't know that concussions can be treated. And to be honest, I'm not seeing as much expertise in all these areas. It takes a lot of understanding and it's hard to treat concussions. I like to do it. I think it's interesting. So I read and I look at this stuff all the time, but that's not to say anything about, you know, speak poorly of anybody who who doesn't treat concussions. It's just, you got to understand, stay in your lane. The same way if somebody comes to me with something that I, I'm like, I'm not comfortable treating as a PT, I refer out, right? So we have that connection, okay? 
Um, if you are having a concussion and you go and you get just your neck treated, or you go and just do visual training, or you just do graded exercise, or, you know, if you have one piece of this by itself, that will be helpful, but it's not going to get you back as quickly as possible. It's not going to help you avoid long-term issues. You need to be able to put all this stuff together in one program and understand it. Okay. So just to recap, three misconceptions I want to sort of help you understand that are false as far as we know. A concussion does not require a hit to the head. It just requires that there is a sufficient amount of force put through the head and the neck. Okay. You should not completely rest after a concussion. You should continue to do what we call symptom limited activity. So early on, especially before you start to see somebody, which as a side note, see somebody as soon as you can, because it will get you moving faster. Don't, you know, mash through your symptoms. Don't just go crazy, but don't do nothing either. Okay. And the third thing is that when symptoms are gone, that does not mean you're completely back to baseline and safe to return to sport. Now it might, it depends on the timeline, but again, it's important to work with somebody who can help you. Like if you're a youth athlete, they can help you, your parents, your coaches, and everybody involved put everything on the table, understand where we are, understand where risk tolerance is and get you on the path back to your sport, back to success. Okay. All right. So like I said, there's going to be a lot more of this concussion based content out here. I love doing it. I love treating it. And I want to make sure that people in this area specifically around Lakeville mass have resources for this. Cause I don't see it. I don't see people actually doing these treatments the way they need to. So please, if you have questions, whether you're in the immediate area or not, reach out. I'd love to help. I'd love to answer those questions. And as always, thank you for listening and or watching. And I'll talk to you guys soon. Hey, everybody. Just a few quick things before you take off. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe and leave a review if you found this podcast useful. The Resilient Athlete Project is brought to you by Wagner PT and Performance in Lakeville, Massachusetts, where I work with athletes of all ages to relieve pain and keep them in the game. For more information, or if you're interested in working with me, either in person or via remote consult, visit my website at www.wagnerptp.com. Also, don't forget to follow Wagner PT and Performance on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, and reach out if you have any questions. Okay, everybody, thanks again, and we'll talk soon.